we were talking, lots of conversations, you know, about just the craziness of life and what's going on and, and the, the, the world we live in. And, and um, I, it's just almost overwhelming how much information we get these days, how fast it comes to us, the ways that we get it. Um, with the, the celebrities and uh, the celebrities that passed this week, there's a story behind the story about how quickly the information got out to ordinary folks like us. You don't even have to have internet. I mean, you don't have to have cable. You don't have to have a newspaper in your hand. Um, the information is in our hands in minutes. And yet, it seems that in all the craziness, maybe, or in all this kind of speed of life, that, that things are so different for us, that things have changed so much for us that we don't have the same problems we've had for as long as we've existed for thousands of years and the truth is and, and the word and I say all this because I want you if you're not in the word the truth is we can deceive ourselves into thinking that this is new this is different this is this is um, not been done before and uh, and the truth is and the gospel proclaims it and the word proclaims it is that a lot of people have been through this before because at the end of the day, despite all of the improvements and all the, the speed of life these days, we're still human. And God is still God. And we're still not. And the Bible is a great um, resource uh, for us to listen and dwell richly in this life. And don't get caught up in the chaos. Be grounded in the Word. It makes all the difference. And so I just want to say that as a disclaimer as we get started, because if it's once a week, it's better than nothing, but it's not as good as, as more often than that. It's not as good as dwelling with God. So it, it's funny because we have this week, and, and um, as I prepare and we come together and stuff, I live of this stuff all week. And uh, I, I'm going to start in a weird place this morning. And, um, and so I just apologize if it's kind of crazy, but... But, you know, as I've prepared for this text, and I've had the week that, we've ha that I've had, you start to find that there are these, these gaping holes in your life. You start to find that there are these, these, these um, points of failure, these, these cracks, these spots that are broken. And uh, I don't know if you have that experience in your life or not. I imagine you do because you're human like me. You know, and uh, and we have these places of our lives where we just feel utterly and completely broken. We feel utter and completely helpless, utter and completely hopeless. Sometimes we can be driven to despair. We can be driven, as they say, over the edge. It's too broken. It's too flawed. There's no there's no hope. There's no future. But that's not the truth, and that's not the gospel. And um, and so. So as we, as we get into the Word this morning, I just wanted to bring that up, to talk about that a little bit. You know, what are those areas of your life? And I want you to think about this, is because even though we're together, this is an individual exercise in some ways. What are those areas in your life that you say, man, that is so broken, no good can come from it? If anybody knew that about me, that would be the end of it. If God really knew about that flaw I've had since I was a little kid, he, he couldn't love me. We say to ourselves. We presume to know more than God does. We presume to know more 
about our own failures, about our own flaws than God does. We presume to know more about our own strength than God does. But the truth is, God knows. God made you. I love what Josh said earlier about God being sovereign over all things. That is a fundamental theological position to take in your life. That God is sovereign over everything that happens. And whenever you have that position, you can begin to see that all things work for the glory of God. Right? So, so those broken areas can be redeemed. Those broken areas, can, they, they have hope. They have hope. They have, they have a new a future, a new life, a new birth. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a story. You know, it was really funny because I was so excited. As many of you know, I mean, uh, I'm pretty new to this pastoring thing. And, and whenever you start to do things, you, you get really excited about it. And, and one of the coolest things was when I got done with school, um, someone that I love very much got me a very special gift. You know, you get a lot of stuff. You get the cards. You get, I tell you, one of the things that freaks me a little bit is you get the, the books. And inside, those who just graduated might know this, people write these notes. At a time, you kind of read it and you're, you're busy, whatever. And you read them later and they're kind of haunting notes. Like, you know, prophetic words from people that you just go, why did you write that? You know, you want to ask. But so you get a lot of this kind of stuff. You get cash, by the way. I know, I know um, uh, Devin was so excited about graduation, right? Because of the cash. But, but, uh, but you get some gifts that really mean something to you. They're really cool. They're really, you know, just, wow, you know me, you know my heart. You thought about this, you know it means something. Whenever I, um, I graduated uh, from college with my pastoral ministry degree, which is a pretty limited focus, you know, if you're going to school, someone got me something. They got me a chalice, and, a, and a, it's called a paten. I'm sorry. It's, it's a plate and a cup, you know. And, uh, and they bought it for me, and, and, um, and I was like, oh, that's kind of, that's cool. It's not what you expect. And then you start to look at it and you think, man, that's really cool. Someday I'm going to use that. Someday, someday, I'm going to be able to use that when I'm exercising my gifts for the glory of God. I get really excited. But the truth of the matter is that the chalice is set and collected dust for several years. It didn't get used. No one saw it. As a matter of fact, Chris began to ask me, why do you even have it? Why is it even there? If it's not being used. I said, well, the time hasn't come. By the way, one of the cool things about, about the particular set that this person bought me was that it's pretty monstrous. <laughs> you know, that's a little prophetic in itself. It's pretty big. I mean, you see some of these things around if you're a pastor and you go, man, mine is, uh, mine's huge compared to that. Mine's almost awkwardly large. If you're in a small setting, it's just ridiculously big. That's what it felt. Well, I tell you all this because this is part of your story. You see, you think this is my story, but it's not. It's our story. Because as Carol Elke can testify to, um, I, I, this had been in the back of my mind. Why aren't we using it? And I wasn't not using it for a reason. I just had never thought to bring it, honestly. It was at the office, and I just never brought it, you know. And so I decided one Sunday, I'm going to bring it for communion, and we're going to use it. It's going to be so cool. It's going to be awesome. And it was. And Carol said, what were you thinking? You know, we're kind of crazy and things happen around here. And, um, and I said, uh, hey man, things are meant to be used. They're meant to be used, right? And so, and so I brought it in and I was so excited. I said, oh man, we're going to use it today, you know. And Carol said, um, at the end of the service, she said, hey, it made it. And then when I walked, I walked over here, it didn't. 
It's just a cup. I mean, don't get me wrong. But it was broken. I mean, it was shattered. What's really funny, I don't think, I may have told you a story before, but it didn't even fall off the, it just fell right here on this wooden stage and it broke. And, and uh, I didn't do a great job whenever I cleaned it up, you know, so, so I just kind of grabbed some of the big chunks and I thought, man, that's that, you know, what are you, you going to do? And so, and so I brought it today because as I read the text this week, it, it, was, it just reminded me so much of this situation that we're in as human beings. Human beings who are following the living God in broken ways, broken people. And, and you know, it was just kind of funny because I had a lot of really stupid conversations about that then later with people. Matter of fact, um, someone this morning said, uh, you know, I, I've been, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that. It's funny you brought that cup. I was thinking about that the other day. Really? There's a, there's a story of, an, of a, a man in India, a servant, who would go every day down to the river to draw water for his master. And every day he would make the journey and he had, he had these pots and he would put them on the sticks over on his shoulders and he would walk down to the river bank every day. And every day he would dip the pots into the water, right? And then he would make the long journey back up the hill to his master's house. As he made the journey every day, one of the pots leaked. It didn't leak a little bit. It didn't just splash on the top. It, 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 was, it was flawed, and it kind of leaked a lot. It leaked so much that every time that the servant would get to the house, it would only be about half full. And they would deliver the water to the master's house, and the next morning the same would occur. Back down to the river, back up to the house. Well, as the story is told, this pot began to have a sense of itself. This pot that was joined with another one on the same stick looked very much the same, but couldn't hold its water. So as the, the pot knew it was failing, it knew it was failing. And every time it would get to the river again, and it would be dipped into the cool, refreshing water. And it would draw it up and it would say, this time I'm going to hold it. This time I'm going to make it. And every time, those broken places, the water would escape. Well, as it sat and it knew, it knew the pot on the other end was perfect. It knew it. Every time we got to the house, the other pot's still full. And every day, the servant would carry the pots up to the house and back. And the pot, man, was down on itself, <laughs> you know? It's like, what's wrong with me? Why am I made this way? Why did this happen? Why did I get dropped and broken? And one day the pot began to complain. And it complained so loudly that the servant carrying it began to hear the complaints against the perfect pot. So the servant dipped it into the water that day and said, I want you to look, not at the other pot that's so perfect, but at the things around you on the way up the hill. And as the journey went up the hill, the, the pot began to notice that there were all kinds of wildflowers next to the path. 
was just full on the way up to the house. And the next day on the way down, it noticed the other side was bare. And there wasn't anything there. It took several trips before the pot began to realize that all this time, all this time, it had been leaking out the refreshingly cool water had been pouring itself out for others. The servant said this, it's no mystery to the master that you're flawed. The master knew. As a matter of fact, he loves the flowers. The problem is we spend too much of our time looking at other pots proclaiming to the great God, the God of all things, the God of all creation, that we know what's broken and we know what's fixed. If you don't believe me, spend a little time with someone that we call disabled. I've said it before, I think it's us who are disabled. Today's text comes from the second book of, to the Corinthians, chapter 4, if you would turn there. If you didn't have your own Bible, I think it's on page 802, I want to say. That's a guess. Let's see if we have the slide for it. 802, if you use one of ours. Because as cool as that story is, as cool as that story is, you know, that story is just a story. It's just an old tale. It's been told and told and told. You've probably heard it before. The word proclaims the truth. Paul was writing to the church in Corinth and he had written the first letter already and he wrote a second letter to them and here we are in the middle of the second letter and he's writing to them about the administration and about the gift that they've been given to carry about the great good news of Jesus Christ and their ability to, to bring the gift, to minister with the gift. As a matter of fact, it says the gift of the Spirit they were called to deliver. This is what it says in verse 5. Paul says this, We don't preach ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves for Jesus' sake. Anytime that we're anywhere doing anything, brothers and sisters in Christ, we're not proclaiming how good we are, how right we are, how perfect we are, because we're not. We're proclaiming how good Christ is, how right Jesus is, how perfect He is. And he says it right there. He says, we don't preach ourselves, but Jesus, the Christ, the anointed as the Lord, the ruler, the master of everything. Ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Because God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in the hearts, in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Now, I'll tell you something. Anytime we're reading Paul or preaching Paul or anything... Paul's a pretty deep dude. He's pretty thick, you know. And I read that. I want to read it again. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Right? I want to break that down. This has been God's business from the beginning. You know where that quote comes from? The one that said, let light come out of darkness? It comes from the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible. It's God's proclamation of light in darkness. 
And sometimes in our lives, we have those places, and we talk about it all the time here at Family Bible Church, that are too dark, that are too deep, that are too painful to talk about. We can't even think about them sometimes. And that is the place that God does his creative work of light bringing. That is the place where he speaks light into your life. The Bible says if you clean up the outside of your life, you're nothing but a whitewashed tomb, dead on the inside. The outside means nothing, nothing at all. And he says here that the one who has always been saying out of the, let light shine out of the darkness, Paul says, has made his light to shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. It's the most precious commodity you could ever carry in your life and God has spoken into your heart. We think if we could only get that, if we could only have that, if we could only own that all the time, know that. But it keeps getting out. It keeps kind of spilling along the way. The knowledge of the glory of God found in the face of the anointed one, Jesus. It's been his business from the beginning to speak into the hearts of men. Nothing has changed, brothers and sisters, despite the chaos of life. It's still dark and void and hopeless until God speaks light. Verse 7, Paul says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Do you ever wish you could do something a little better? Do you ever wish, I mean, I don't know what it is in your life, if it's, I always think of parenting, but if it's, if, if it's as a student, if it's maybe on the ball diamond, I know we have some like really serious ball players, if it's at your work, I mean, do you ever think that somehow you just want to do the absolute best you can do? You want to be the best, you want to be number one on the podium, you want to you be able to say, I did it, everything I had. That's a God-given gift to want to do that. And yet the truth is, that the, the real proclamation is that God does it. That God did it in you and through you. We have this in treasure, this treasure in jars of clay to show the all-surpassing powers from God and not from us. You know? We talk about it all the time, how hard it is to be the church. To bear witness to the world. Because we're all screwed up and you go, God, why did you put it in broken people like me? Don't put it in me. Put it in somebody who's perfect. Put it in somebody who's lived perfectly. Put it in somebody who, who knows all the answers. And God says, it would never get out. Paul says here, he puts it in jars of clay. To show that the all-surpassing power, the doulos, is from God and not from us. The truth of the matter is, if you and I manage to do anything worthwhile in our lives, glory to God. Glory to God. Not by our power, but by His. As a matter of fact, some of my favorite people you run into, you go like, like God's doing that in you. That's awesome. Because I could have never dreamed it would be true. You know, I know you, man. I remember you. That's crazy that God's using you in that way. In that moment, we know that this is coming from God and not from ourselves. It's not a human manifestation. We're not trying harder, doing more. We're letting God pour out of us jars of clay. This is what Paul says. He goes on to say this. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. You see, there's hope here. 
We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We've been struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. You know, Paul talked throughout his ministry about the thorn in his flesh. And it just seems as you read him talking about it, he just wants it out so badly. Just take it out. But it doesn't seem that God ever saw fit. He is sovereign over all things. And here Paul tells us that in those places that we're most broken, in those places that we're most failing, we begin to experience the death of Christ. I want you to go with me for a moment because whether or not, whether or not you believe that Jesus is God, whether or not you believe that fact, if you do, it has huge implications. Because that means that when God came as a man among us, his greatest work was in his death. His greatest triumph was in his failure. As the God of creation, the God that speaks light, began to come to pieces on the way to the cross at the hands of sinful men, the gospel was proclaimed. The hope for all nations that we sing about was proclaimed. As he paid the price on the way to the cross. Paul says, in our failures in our broken places we have we carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed also it's those places of failure that God is most profoundly working and yet we always want to keep them to ourselves don't we don't talk about where I'm broken don't talk about my real needs don't make me don't make me be honest with you when you say how are you doing right now let's don't have a real conversation it's far too painful and yet that is the very place that the work of Christ, the life of Christ is being revealed in our body. Both our physical bodies and our spiritual body. He says this, because we who are alive are always being given over to death for the sake of Jesus so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. I mean, I'm telling you, this stuff is so counterintuitive. It's crazy. It's crazy. That in all these areas of failure, God's greatest glory is being revealed. Now, am I telling you to go out and do your worst? <laughs> you know? Let's go do our worst. Absolutely not. I'm saying we try to muster our very best, but the truth is it gets out anyway. Our flaws and our brokenness, and you go, oh, they saw it. They saw it again. And in that place, we begin to see Jesus do miracles. Without the cross of Christ, there'd be no resurrection. Without the resurrection, there'd be no hope. As surely as we have died with him, we'll be raised with him as well. In the chaos of life, let's don't miss the big picture. Because it seems to me that in those places where we're flawed and broken, we're not left there. We're not left there. You know, one of the things that, um, one of the sales points for this particular item is it's completely unique. It's completely unique. 
No two are alike, it says. If you get it and it's flawed, that's okay. Everyone is handmade. And yet, when this broke, when this broke, I could go out and I could find another one. Order it, put in your credit card, it'll be there in three days. Throw this one in the trash. It's good for nothing. But as I began to think about Christ, and I began to think about the way he works in our lives, I began to realize he doesn't throw us out at all. We call Jesus the Redeemer. You know what that means? That means he digs things out of the trash. And he comes into those broken places of our lives. And he begins to apply miraculous work. Stuff that we couldn't have imagined before. Maybe a place we'd have never gone or a dream we'd have never dared to have. And in that failed and broken place, in that place where we go, we can't do anything, Lord. Christ comes and he begins to reassemble and he begins to repair and fix. And you know what you realize? That this broken jar, that this fragile life is becoming truly unique. It's becoming truly one of a kind. And all of those flaws and all of those cracks become places where Christ's light shines out most profoundly. I don't know if you know the work of redemption today in your life. I don't know if you've dared to dream of it, but I invite you today to his table. And, 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 and you come however you need to come today. And I, there's no show here. This ain't about me or about anybody who's in the room. It's about you and God. You and God. And I'm going to invite you today, I'm going to ask the guys to come back up and play our closing song. I'm going to ask you guys today as we're singing this song, as we're playing, if you want to sit and pray, sit and pray. If you want to get up and sing, get up and sing. But I would ask you to bring to mind those places, and I mean the hard ones, the ones that you go, God, what, what was that? Why there? I want you to allow the great Redeemer to begin to build back those broken places of your life. Let's pray together. Almighty God, you come in those unbelievable ways to us. And I pray today that our hearts would be open, that our minds would be renewed, that we would find a new hope in the gospel of Jesus, that we would know those, those broken places can be made right and the light can shine out. Your glory can pour out. Not because of us and not because we want credit or glory. We want to be healed, Lord. We want to be whole in you. And through that wholeness, the good news would be shared. God, we come today and we just give it to you. Whatever it is, Lord, you do your work with us. May we know the death of Christ so we can celebrate the resurrection. We pray this in Jesus' holy, holy, holy name. Amen.